listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsea's Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Christians practice good manners. Come on, please and thank you. Still the magic words. Come on, they are mannerable. I like that. Christians are not touchy even when insulted. Have you ever been around touchy people? You say something so easily offended. I think the greatest thing that you could do at the beginning of every year is say, this year I choose not to be offended. Because remember, offense is never what? Given, it's only ever received. And it's our choice to receive that. Where were we at? Christians are not touchy. That's where we were. Christians think the best and not the worst of others. Always look for the good in other people. There's a lot of bad to be found in some people, but I'm telling you, start pinpointing the good and watch as their lives light up and open up. Christians do not gloat over the wickedness of other people. Christians are pleased to reach out a hand to someone in need. And above all else, Christians exhibit the love of Christ in their hearts and in their lives. Have you ever met one of those? Come on, that was the question we asked at the beginning. What is a Christian? Have I ever met one of those? Now, you know, we probably don't have it all damn packed. We probably don't have it all working right. But this is a new beginning. This is a new opportunity for us. This is a a fresh chance for us to embrace the life of Christ and to touch our world for Jesus Christ. You know the reason why the world is in such a mess today is because the church has forgotten what it means to be a Christian. I believe that. Well, no, it's the politics and it's this and it's... No, the reason the world is in such a mess today is because the church is in a mess. The church has forgotten what it means to be a Christian, being Christ-like, setting an example and being a beacon of hope to the world around. And we're going to change that. Can we change that? Come on, can we change that? We can't change that everywhere, but we can change it right here. We can change it in our lives. And we want to be the godly representative that God wants us to be. Because I believe being a Christian is an attractive life. I believe that you should live such an attractive life that others are going to be drawn to it, that people are going to start asking you questions. Are you ready? Here's the questions people are going to start saying to you. Why are you so happy all the time? I mean, we just saw the boss chew you out. We just saw them say they're going to cut your pay and your hours. We just saw all this. Why is there still a smile on your face? Maybe a question like this. How can you live with such peace in your life? I know what you're going through. I know the physical struggles that you're having in your life, but you've always got such confidence. You've always got such peace. Here's another one. Why are you always so positive? Come on, we want those questions to be asked in our lives. Why? Because we may be the only Bible that people read. And I want you to know right now, if people are asking you those types of questions, then they are reading the right gospel in your life. 
If they're asking questions like, why are you so depressed and miserable all the time? Why are you so condemning and judgmental? Come on, you're not the right Bible that people need to be reading. And you need to hit your knees again and have an encounter with God because you're supposed to live an attractive life that is bringing hope to the world around. Come on, the darker the night, the brighter our light can shine out. We're not cursing the darkness here. We're lighting a candle and saying, God, if you can use anything, here I am. I want to be your salt and light. Look at the scripture from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. Hebrews 2, verse 3 says this at the beginning of that verse. How shall we escape (coughs) if we, what? Neglect so great a salvation. Salvation is great. If you haven't realized that yet, I said salvation's great. (coughs) It's a great experience that every one of us can have. But what do we see? There's a tendency, or perhaps there's a chance in our lives that we can take it for granted and we can neglect the greatness of salvation. That we can not fulfill everything about it. We can take it for granted. And guess what can happen if we don't watch? That gift can begin to die inside of us. Because each day we need to strive to live a life. I don't want to neglect my salvation. Come on, if you neglect something, it's not doing good. If you neglect your car, it's going to break down. If you neglect your garden, come on, weeds are going to grow everywhere and the homeowners are going to be calling you up and fining you and saying you need to clean that or put a goat on it or do something to it. Come on, if you neglect anything, it's not going to work. If you neglect your body, guess what? You're going to be complaining about aches and pains and problems. If you don't brush your teeth, guess what happens? Cavities. It's neglect. It's neglect, neglect. And it's the same in our spiritual walk. If we neglect our salvation, if we take it for granted, and we're not truly living the life, the Bible says, how are we going to escape? How are we, here's my thought, I believe that the Bible is given here. How are we going to make it through life? How are we going to escape all the problems and the circumstances and make it, how are we going to be an overcomer if we're not living an overcoming life? And we're living defeated within each and every one of us. So we just want to say, God, thank you again. Come on, who can say thank you for my salvation? Thank you, God. I want to live it to the max. Every, I don't want to take it for granted. I don't care what other people are doing. I'm going to be different. They can call me weird all they want, but normal's not working anyway. So I just want to be weird. I want to be out there for Jesus, but not weird in the crazy sense, just weird in the fact of just loving people and embracing. That's what we've talked about, isn't it? Here's our recap. We've, We've been talking over this month, and what we've been talking to you each service, especially on a Sunday, is we've been looking at the characteristics of being a Christian. We've covered four of them so far, and we're going to cover three of them tonight. You're like four over four weeks, and we're going to do three tonight. Yeah, right. No, we're going to do three tonight, really. But here's the four that we've been covering. Will you say it with me? Number one, love. Number one, love. You've got to know love before you can give love. You've got to be connected with Jesus. Come on. That's what we should have above anything else is love. For other people, loving the unlovable. You need the love of God to be able to do that. And God will give you that. What do we discover? That we need to have the characteristic of stewardship. A steward is managing something that's not yours. It's all his, but he allows us to partake in it. And we represent it all, but we're faithful even in the smallest things because it's the smallest things that promotes us onto the big things. 
So we're being a good steward with those things. The third thing we discovered is servanthood. The disciples were jockeying backwards and forwards one day and saying, I want to be the great. I want to sit on your left hand and I want to sit on your right hand, Jesus. And Jesus said, okay, well, here's how it plays out. Are you ready? If you want to be the greatest of all, you've got to be the servant. You've got to be the servant of all. You've got to be willing to serve everyone. And then on Sunday, we talked about humility and we asked ourselves the question, am I humble? Am I humble? And it's easy for us to say, oh, yes, I am. We encourage you, go out and ask. My wife said to me the other day, are you humble? I says, no, we've got some problems. We need to work on it. No, I I think she's very humble, an incredibly humble lady, an incredible woman. But ask other people because what we can conceive in our minds can be different to what people are getting. And humility is not about me. Humility is about serving other people. And just being humble, it's of having a low thinking because we can elevate ourselves so much almost from a sniper position that we're trying to pick people off. Where God doesn't want us to pick people off, He wants us to pick people up. Big difference. Come on now. He wants us to pick people up. So what are we doing? We're not talking down to people. A life of humility is pointing up to God. That with our lives, we're pointing up to God and saying, but for His grace and mercy, we're the same as you. But because of His grace and mercy, I have hope. And you can have hope too. That we're being real with people. That we're meeting people at their point of need. And our next one that we're going to do today is if we read on in our passage, we're actually going to read a few verses today. But Romans chapter 12, that's where we've been taking all this from, incidentally. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And we're going to read 17 through 21. It's on the screen with you so you can pay attention and follow along. It says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Verse 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on who? You. You. Come on, good. You're paying attention. Live peaceably with all men. Verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Here's the thought. Are you ready? Hold on. Here's the thought. We take out, it takes out of our hands the retaliation And we leave it now in God's hands. It's what he's now talking about because we want to retaliate. And God said, no, it's not about retaliation. It's about giving it to me for it is written. And therefore, if God has written something, we know it's going to come to pass. The Bible says that my word shall not return void. What I have said, it's going to accomplish. So God is saying something. Here's what's going to come to pass. And God says this, vengeance is mine, God says, I will repay. In other words, God's going to handle it if you give it to him. You try to retaliate and all you do is solve a problem that creates a bigger issue. But when God solves a problem, he goes straight to the heart of the matter and he deals with that and he changes someone. That's why the Bible says we are to pray for those who despitefully use us. We are to bless them. Why would he say something like that? Because our blessing is the five-fold ministry. Anyone know what I'm talking about? We fold the ministry and we want to bless someone. Come on, I'll bless them right up the side of the face. Come on, don't look at me all holy. That's not the blessing that God's talking about. He says, you bless them and pray for them. Why is that? Because you're praying that God will save them because when God saves them, their heart's going to be changed and they're going to treat you better. Because God inside of them is now going to make a difference in their life. So God says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. If what? You don't avenge yourself. You don't give place to wrath. You let me handle it and you let me take care of it. Verse 20, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, kick him and laugh at him because he deserves it. Rejoice over their suffering and loss. No, come on, help me out tonight. 
If your enemy is hungry, what do you do? Feed him. Feed him. Meet the need of their life. What is it they need? Meet that need. Be there for them. If they are thirsty, give them a drink. For in doing so, you heap coals of fire on their head. In other words, if you want to get a response from someone, are you ready? If you want to get a response from someone, give them what they don't deserve. Someone slaps you and you just smile back. They don't don't know how to deal with that. I remember once playing soccer. um, Just one day, and and I was out there, and our coach told us, he said, hey, son, he said, guys, if you ever retaliate when you're on the field, he says, you will never play for me again. And that was an issue because he was our track and field coach. He was our hockey coach. We played field hockey in England. He was our cricket coach. He was our soccer coach, our tennis coach, everything. So if we weren't going to play for him, we wouldn't play any sports. He says, here's what you do. If someone kicks you, you turn around and you give them the biggest smile that you ever can. He says, because you know what? That will get more in their head than if you retaliate. Because when you retaliate, they're like, man, I've got him now. Because how many know sports can be a mind game? You get in someone's head, you get the better of them. So he says, when you smile, it eats them more than you would ever imagine. Come on, we're heaping coals upon their head. If you want a response from people, you give them something that they don't deserve. Why? Because we're trying not to react to situations. We want to respond correctly to situations. Too many people knee-jerk react. We want to respond in a godly right way. And that could change people more than you will ever realize. Why? Because you're now following the example of Christ. You're now being a Christian. Verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So number five. Are you ready? Number five is this. Be honorable. Be honorable. Live an honorable life. Give honor to others. And the Bible says all others. New Living Translation of verse 17 says this. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do things in such a way that half the people see, the people at church just see. No, the Bible says that everyone, that your family, the people you work with, the people you go to the gym with, whatever aspect of your life that everyone, all others around you will be able to see that you are honorable. I began to look at that word. I I like a dictionary. You know, I'm not the smartest guy. I'm from England, but that doesn't mean we know English. We speak proper, but that's about it. So I looked at the dictionary, and you know the word honorable is twofold. There's two meanings for honor. The first is this. Are you ready? Here it is. If you could put it up. It's having or showing a sense of what is right and what is proper. So it's having or showing a sense of what is right and proper. Literally being honest or upright. So literally what the first thought of honorable is this, presenting a good image of yourself. Do you see that? Showing a sense of what's right. You're conducting yourself in the right manner. What does that mean? You're being true to your word. Come on, you're following 
instructions correctly when you're given a task to do instead of complaining and grumbling and and saying, I don't want to do it this way. You're being honorable. You're following instructions. You're doing those things. You're handling yourself in a right manner. You're not always trying to justify things. You're not trying to always make excuses. You are living honorably, therefore showing goodness through being Good. So you're presenting yourself. Do you see that correctly? That's what the first thought of honorable is. I'm handling myself in an honorable manner, which means this. Are you ready? Being able to say sorry to. It's a big thing for a lot of people to be able to say sorry. They don't think they need to. They don't want to admit their shortcomings and wrongs. But it's honorable to do that. If you've made a mistake as a parent, if you've disciplined your child wrongly, we just want to say, well, they probably owed them that one anyway for something I missed. No, 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 no. You go back to them and say, listen, I'm sorry I handled that wrong. Why? Because you're teaching them honor because honor is presenting yourself, your actions, your words, your life in the right Way. Then secondly, here's the second representation of honor. It literally means this. Causing honor means bringing honor to the one that, that has it. So it means bringing honor to one that has it. That thought there is bringing honor means bringing glory, fame, or reputation to one who has it. Someone who's greater than you. Someone who is more powerful than you. That you bring them honor. Honor. You represent to them. So literally, it's not only representing yourself correctly and making a good image of yourself. It's representing a good image of God. That as being honorable, I'm saying the right things, but I'm representing God with those things. And that's so powerful. In the Old Testament, the word honor is this. Kavodi. I probably said it wrong, but it's K-A-V. O-D-E, kavodi. And that word literally means to be heavy, to be weighty, or have great substance. So to have weight and substance. So as we honor, listen to this, we are giving weight and substance to the God that we serve. In other words, we're making his name great to other people. We're showing them the greatness and the awesomeness about God. So notice, so being honorable is not just about me presenting myself right, but it's about me representing him too. And I wonder what's more important, you or him? It's always him. But you see, when you take care of him, he'll take care of you. You'll take care of yourself too. It's a win-win situation because it's about being pleasing to him and making his name great. But you and I cannot make his name great if we're not great. Come on, we can't make his name great if we're not great. Say hello, say ouch, say something, please, tonight. You're still with me. Everyone's still with me. Wave at me right now. You're still with me. There you go. Praise God. Anyone ever heard this saying before? You've all heard this saying. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Well, praise God, the best is yet to come. I believe that, but I believe there is condition to that statement. I can't live the same way and confess that over my life and believe things are going to change. Because if the best is going to come in my life, I've got to be better than what I am right now. 
I've got to do better. I've got to think better. I've got to be more honorable because I can't just stay the same way and believe for everything to change in my life. If I want the best to come, come on, I've got to be better and the best that God wants me to be because the same me is the same results. And really it's worse because in the world they say, if you're standing still, you're falling back. So if we don't change, we're digressing and not progressing. And God wants to see the best in our lives. How do we do that? Through honor. We're honoring, we're presenting and representing God. There's a great passage in 1 Peter chapter 2. You can read it, verse 13 through 25. And it's about living honorably. And just jump in a couple of verses. It says, Servants, be submissive, verse 18, to your master with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Hold on a second. Let's read that again. Did we get that right? We can be submissive with fear to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Notice, it's easy to love and honor those who are good. But God says, if you want to show true honor, you've got to present that to others who don't really deserve it. But yet, because of the position of authority over your life, you've still got to give that to them. Come on now, shout amen in the house. For this is commendable. What is commendable? To live honorably, not just to the good, but to everyone. Because of your conscience towards God, one endures grief suffering wrong. You may be enjoy enduring things wrong. You may be accused of things that you don't. But you know what God says? Let me fight for you. You just live an honorable life. And it's easy to do when everyone is being treated right. There's no hang ups there with our honorability. But it goes on to instruct us again. If we would read 20 and 21 and 22, it starts talking about even when you've been treated unfairly and you're under wrong treatment, you've still got to present yourself in a godly manner. And then it lays it all out and says, God did that. It talks about Jesus, that he presented himself in such a way that he was willing to go to the cross for us. All the foul treatment and everything that he was honorable. Listen to this. Even to the death on the cross that he was honorable. He was honorable. Look what it says in Proverbs 15 verse 1. It says a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Soft many times we think of someone who's soft and it's really weak and it's really gentle. That word soft there is translated honorable. And it doesn't mean weakness. It means the right answer in the proper response. So a soft answer is not like a weak and frail. It's the right answer with the right response. And what does it do? It turns away wrath. It it diffuses a situation. You know how you put out a fire? You put out a fire with water. Because it douses the situation. And that's what a soft answer, an honorable life does. It puts out the fires. It puts those things. And honor isn't just an action. Honor is an attitude. It's not just doing, but it's doing it well. Come on, it's doing good well. I think in our lives, we've maybe got to a place where we say, well, I'm good. We've got to get to a place where we're doing good well. And there's a big difference because there are no shortcuts to doing the right thing. I like Steve Kelly in a book called Accents of Leadership. He says this, honor is gained through a lifetime of integrity and consistency. Isn't that cool? Honor is gained through a lifetime. Oh, I can just do it for a few moments and then stop. No, it's a lifetime. 
And it's consistently doing it through the good and the bad, the good days, the bad days, the ups, the highs and the lows. It's been a good example and seen by everyone around. And again, read for yourself in the Word of God. When you find honor in the Word of God, close by to it and connected to it, you're going to find blessings and rewards. Because when we live an honorable life, we're living a life that represents and presents God in the right manner and in the right way. And honor never goes unnoticed with God. And one more scripture before we move on. And I think I touched on this a little bit on Sunday, but it's Ephesians 6, verse 1 and 2. It says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We need to call all the youth back and all the kids and get them in. We're going to preach to them right now. Yes, Jesus. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Notice this, obedience is the action, but honor is the attitude. Obedience is the action, but honor is the attitude. Let me explain that to you. Let's put it in this language. If you give your kid a chore, the chore is to take out the trash. And they can say, well, mom, I'm watching the end of the game or something. You say, no, son, I want you to take it out now. I want you to do it. They, they can just like bang and slap and go through the door and slam it and just everything. Did they obey? Yes, they obeyed. That's the action. But did they honor What was their attitude? Their attitude was all wrong. You see, we can go through life obeying, but we can have the wrong honor, the wrong attitude to those things. And God wants us to clear that up. Let me just bring it to our language. It's good to amen when we're talking about our kids. What about when our boss asks us to do something that we don't want to do? Come on, are we just obeying them because they're our boss or are we doing it with the right attitude? Because God doesn't just, God's not just looking for your obedience, he's looking for your attitude. Because attitude speaks of the heart. And where does God start with man? He starts with man at the heart. Because what did he say one day? People are going to stand before me and say, but God, I did this. I cast out devils in your name. God, I healed the sick. God, I paid my tithes. God, I did, 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 did. And God's going to say, who are you? Why? Because he doesn't know the heart. So it's not just obeying. Come on. It's being honorable. It's having the attitude. Because obedience itself isn't just agreeing with, obedience is doing it. And doing it in the right way. So remember, to obey isn't always agreeing, but it is always doing, as long as it's not against God's word. And at life, look at our lives, let's just be honest. Life is hard enough on its own, without us carrying a bad, dishonorable attitude and making it worse. If we just have a smile on our face and we just honor God with our life and say, like Pete said, God, I'm going to give to you first. I'm going to honor you with that which is yours. Just having that honoring life, it's going to make your trip through the journey of life so much easier. And We say that to our kids all the time. Just put a smile on your face and you're going to enjoy life a lot more. If you go to something telling yourself you're not going to enjoy it, guess what? Nine times out of ten, you're not going to enjoy it. But if you tell yourself, you know what, I'm going to find something I'm going to enjoy here. I'm telling you nine times out of ten, you're going to enjoy that. Big difference. How? Just having the right attitude and just having the right honor in each one of our lives. So being honorable is really living a life fully exposed. Just fully exposed with no hidden agendas, 
and no tricks around the corner. God, this is me. I'm not trying to any airs of grace. I just want to be honorable in my words, in my life, and everything you do. And remember, the Bible says you're going to reap what you sow. So if you want honor, if you want people around you to honor you, guess how you get that? You don't demand it. You sow honor. You give to your boss. If your boss is harsh and hard, you serve them and honor them in a greater way because God sees it. And the Bible says what God sees in secret, he's going to reward in the open. And you may say, well, no one sees. God sees and that's all you want because all Pete and I can do is pat you on the back and say, good job. But God's rewards are a lot greater than that. Come on, God's rewards are limitless and they are all powerful. And and that's really good. So let's read on Romans chapter 12, verse 18. So be honorable, be honorable. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men, with all men, with all people. The Message Bible says this. Have you ready? Are you ready? If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. If you've got it in you, get along with with everybody. If you've got it in you, I like that. Because when Jesus is in you, come on, if you've got it in you, if you've got Jesus in you, come on, you're going to get along with everyone because there's a change inside of you. So characteristic number six is this, living a life of peace. Living a life of peace. Being peaceful, having peace rule in your life. There are so many Christians today that have no peace in their lives. They have no comfort in their lives. They have no solace in their lives. They're just being bashed and banged around. Come on, God came to give us peace. In fact, when Jesus was born on this earth, the angels pronounced his birth on the hillside to some shepherds. And what did they say? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and good will towards All men. They weren't just saying some words. That was truth because I want you to know that while Jesus lived on this earth, there was no wars and there was no battles. There was absolute peace on this earth. Now we know the Romans were in rule and they did oppress people. But as far as nations uprising, there was peace. Why? Because when he showed up on the scene, he didn't just come as peace. He was peace and he brought peace. He is the prince of of peace. And peace isn't what he does, just like love isn't what he does. Peace is also who he is. Come on, it's who he is. All around us today, there is so much rage and anger. Have you seen people in their cars today? I mean, it's crazy. Crazy how people are. And just how short-tempered people are. And, and, and there's so much anger and rage and people against each other. So much racial tension today. So many things around. Our world needs peace again. And one of the best things that we can do to bring peace is this. Are you ready? Do it. Zip your lips. Come on. Just to zip your lips and say nothing. Look what it says again, verse 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on who? Not what they said and not what they did to me. The Bible says it's all on you. Come on, say it's all on me. Come on, it's all on me. If it's possible, as much as depends on me, live peaceably with all men. Come on, it's not always possible for the whole situation, but it's always possible for your half. Come on, do I hear an amen? Something. 
It's always possible for your side of the equation. You can't control and have control over other people, but you can have control over what you've got control over. And you know what that is? Your life. You can have control over your words and your actions and your thoughts. You can take control. Oh, it feels good to let it fly. Let's be honest. It feels good to let them have it only for a moment. Because as soon as you've said those things and you can feel good for a moment, but it's deflated really quick. It's like an airbag. As quick as it goes up, it goes down. And that's how it feels because you can't take those things back and the regret that then you have because of those words. Look what it says from the New Living Translation. It says, do all you can to live in peace with everyone. Do your part, in other words. Do your part. I love that. I can do my part. I can't determine their response, but I can determine my response. And my response needs to be right whether theirs is right or not. Because why? Forgiveness is one-sided. It's your responsibility before God to forgive other people and to release people. Because listen to me, when you do your part, God can then do his part. But you know what we want God to do? His part? And then we'll do our part. You know what would happen if God did all our work for us? We wouldn't end up doing anything. We had promised that we would go, oh God, you do that for me and then I'll take care of it. No, you wouldn't. And I would say this, most of our lives and nearly everything that we have in life... His part is contingent upon you and I doing our part right. If you want peace in your circumstance, you've got to give peace. You've got to sow peace and you've got to be bigger than that situation. Well, they wronged me. Maybe they did. But now who's the one who's not sleeping at night? Them or you? Probably you and not them. They probably don't even know they did anything to you or there's even an issue and a problem. But you're saying to yourself, oh, I'm showing them. Yeah, you are showing them that you're a fool. You're an idiot. Come on, we're going to say the S word in church. You're stupid. You really are. Because you've got to do your part. When you stand before God, it doesn't matter what other people have done. God's going to say, what did you do for me? And the Bible says, if it's possible, and when God says something is possible, He knows it's possible. God doesn't ask us to do something that He doesn't give us the strength and ability to perform and do. So if it's possible, you've got to live at peace with everyone. You've got to be the peacemaker. You've got to bring peace. Oh, but Pastor Philip, you don't know what they did. No, I don't, but I know what's going to happen if you don't release it and give it to them. You're going to be bound by that thing and it's going to consume you and it's going to rob you of the peace that God wants to give you in your life. You see, the thought of living in peace, when God says, I want you to live in peace, here's God's thought, are you ready? I want you to have freedom from any kind of strife in your life. Wow. Just breathe that. I mean, God just wants you to be free from any kind of strife. It's a condition of quiet order and security. That's what peace wants to bring, quiet order and security in my life. Again, possibly you don't know what they have done. You don't know what they've said. But I know what Paul is divinely telling us here in Romans. 
When I say divinely inspired by God, what he's speaking into our life, he's telling us the reason we've got to forgive and be at peace and all this is for three reasons. Are you ready? Here's three reasons. Number one, because forgiveness breaks the cycle of retaliation and it can lead to reconciliation. There won't be any reconciliation while we're looking for retaliation. And what breaks that? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Why? Because it takes it out of your hands and places it in yours. And now you have a love instead of what? You wanting to retaliate because you're giving it to God and God's taking care of it for you. And we know he will because he says, vengeance is mine. It is written. Vengeance is mine. I'll handle it. Come on. It takes it out of your hands. Here's the second reason. Are you ready? My right response may make them feel ashamed and change their ways. Do you know that me acting in the right way can bring them to a place of conviction in their life? I'm not saying it always going to happen. But it throws the ball in their court and now they have to serve it up. It's on them from now onwards. What are they going to do with it? But the attitude that you have in forgiving them, you show Christ to them and now there's hope that they can accept into their life and there can be a change that comes. Here's the third reason why we need to forgive. You ready? Repaying evil for evil will hurt you as much as it hurts your enemy. I thought about the crucifixion. And when the Bible says they wove a crown of thorns and they pushed it onto his head. They pushed it onto his head with such force that it pierced into his skull and into his his head, and that blood flowed down. I want to tell you something right now. In order to place a crown of thorns on someone's head, they're not the only ones that's going to feel the pain. Because when you grab those thorns and you try and put them, there's no way that forcing something like that on someone else is not going to at least leave you pierced and wounded too. And I want you to know something right now. When he took all that, Upon him, he did not retaliate. He showed such great love. But I'm telling you, if we want to repay evil for evil and hurt for hurt, we're going to end up being hurt just as much as our enemy. And most times, as I said earlier, even more because they're not even aware that they've done anything wrong towards you. Listen to me. Come on, this is a good one. Are you ready? It's going to be on Facebook tomorrow if you miss it tonight. So don't post it, Rena, tonight. Don't beat me to it. What you don't forgive, you're going to relive. What you don't forgive, you'll relive. Because that moment's going to keep coming back over and over again. And, and, and Satan wants to keep playing that record back. Because if you don't forgive, you're going to relive that thing. You've got to let it go. And let God. Man, I got chills when I say that. You've got to let it go and let God. I read this today in the Daily Devotions and it said this. True forgiveness is the medicine that heals the deepest emotional wounds. It's that which closes the door on the past and gives you grace and motivation to move forward and to enjoy the life that God wants you to live. Listen to me, forgiveness never makes what they did to you right. I want to say that again. Forgiveness never makes what they did to you right. But it will set you free. Come on now, forgiveness doesn't make them right. But it sets you free. And it brings freedom to your life. 
And that's possible for me to do and give. Why? Because God says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, me, what am I to do? Live at peace. Forgive. Here's how you need to live your life. You ready? You've got to keep short accounts. And you've got to often renew. Come on, you've got to keep short accounts and often renew. And just remind yourself. Because we can be so bound by things that we're not living at peace. And we're like, what's up with this? And it's because we're harboring and holding on to things that's possible for us to release and let go. Wounds and hurts from years. We can just surrender them to God and God can take care of them and handle them. And God wants to say, I believe to many of you tonight, what's taking you so long? Come on, I'm the Prince of Peace. You've never experienced that dimension of me. I want to give you peace as you lay on your beds at night. I want to give you peace for your life. It's no wonder today so many people are sick, having heart attacks, having high blood pressure, and going through all these things. They're not living with peace. And remember the peace that we're talking about is the peace of God. And what do we know about the peace of God? Love this. Philippians 4 verse 7. Can't talk about peace without saying this one. And the peace of God, which surpasseth. Say with me, surpasseth. That goes beyond. Come on, all your understanding. Everything you can reason and try and figure out in your mind. God says, my peace wants to go beyond that. And guess what? That peace wants to put a guard over your hearts and your mind. Man, if we ever need a guard in our hearts and our minds, it's right now in this day and age. And what does that? God's peace that goes beyond my thinking. Because I'm thinking, there's no way I can forgive them. And God says, my thoughts go beyond that. You've got to get my mind. Remember the mind of Christ we talked about it. Sunday. We've got to let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. We've got to think beyond our thoughts and release the peace of God that's able to accomplish and do. Come on, even in the greatest storms, I want you to hear me tonight. His anchor of peace can be that which you can hold on to, that can bring you through. When we can't figure it all out, God. God will handle it. Quit trying to figure it all out. Forgive it. Release it. Live in the peace. Come on, stop the strife and the anguish and the pain. Quit going backwards and forth. Just throw your hands in the air and say, you know what? I'm sorry I'm wrong. Diffuse the situation. Take care of that situation. Because as much as is possible with you, I've got to finish this message. Live at peace. I've got to end this. Romans 12, 21. Do not overcome Or do not be overcome by evil. But what? Overcome evil with good. Number seven is this. You've got to be an overcomer. Come on, you've got to be an overcomer. An overcomer. And we just read how to do that. Listen to what it says from the New Living Translation. It says these words. Do not let evil get the best of you. But conquer evil by doing good. How do we become an overcomer? We conquer evil by doing good, by living good, by being the salt and light. 
having love reign in our life, being a steward over our lives, living a life of servanthood, humility, honorability. Come on, having peace in our lives. I'm an overcomer through Christ Jesus. And you know you are. And if you don't, read Deuteronomy chapter 28 for yourself. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God 28, God says you're the head and not the tail. Come on, God says you're above and not beneath. God says you're the lender and not the borrower. God says you're an overcomer. I've made a way. But what brings that state in our lives? Verse 1 says, if we obey and follow His word. And if we obey God, we'll see what happens. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed when you come in. You'll be blessed when you go. The enemy will come before you one ways and he'll flee before you seven ways. Why seven is the number of completion? God says, I'll take care of it and handle it. Why through obedience, God makes you an overcomer and you're the head and not the tail. Come on, you've got to live refusing to allow situations to get the better of you. I didn't say it would be easy. But you've got to take control over those situations. When the enemy comes in like a flood, and man, he floods us up, what are we to do? Raise up the standard of God in our lives. We've got to remember the God whom we serve. And then we've got to live in this. Last scripture, and then I'm going to shut up tonight, I promise. Last scripture, Ephesians 3 verse 20, probably one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, is this. And now to him, capitalize God. Say with me, God. Now to God, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. We want to shout amen and say that's really awesome. But here's the key. We've got to keep reading on. According to what? According to the power that works or that which we allow to operate inside of us. What a great verse of awesome blessings and stuff. What an overcoming verse. But it's all according to what? Whether he is living inside of us or not. Whether His power, whether we're allowing Him to be the salt and light inside of us, that we can be the salt and light outside of us to everyone around us. Come on, are we His salt and light? Because being salt and light is more than just words. It's more than presenting God. That's important. But it's representing God. Living His life. Where did we start this series? The little boy asked his dad, what is a Christian? And the dad began to say, a Christian is this and that and loves God and goes to church and treats his family well. And he goes through all the list and the little boy says to his dad, have I ever met one of those? So how do we end this series? I want to be one of those. Come on, I don't want to ask, have I met? Does people met? I want to be one of those. So never again will anyone ever question, have I ever met one of those? But I want to bring help to a hopeless world. I want to be his hands and feet. One last story and then I'm done. I've closed my file. Years ago in the Second World War, during all the bombings in, I believe it was in Italy somewhere. There was a small village and this village had a massive statue of Christ. During the bombings one night, that statue was almost blown to pieces and it was blown this way and that. And the village people picked up that statue that meant so much to them and they put it away safely. And at the end of the war, one of the first things that they came together to do was to rebuild that because it represented their community and what they stood for, a picture of Jesus. 
But it was amazing when they began to reconstruct the statue. They had every bit of the statue, save the hands and the feet, were missing. They couldn't find the hands and feet anywhere. So they said, well, what do we do? We've worked hard. What do we do? They said, let's go and sleep on it and we'll come back tomorrow and decide because it looks silly with no hands and feet. What can we do? Half the people wanted to tear it down. Half the people wanted to say just to leave it. What are we going to do? What can we going to do? And the next day when they came back to decide what would be done, someone had put a little sign in the front of the statue and it read these words. The reason there are no hands and feet is because God has called us to be his hands and feet. That statue remained as a constant reminder. Come on, we're called to be his hands reaching, his feet taking the gospel to all those around. Because the Bible says, how will they know unless? Pastor Philip tells them, no. I will tell them if they come in here. And I'll tell them wherever I go, because I never talk to a stranger. Never come in contact with a stranger. I talk to everyone. But I want you to know this. I can't save everyone. It takes every one of us doing our part. Because God has placed you in a world that's not my world. Your friends and your connections. And God has says, now you go out. Every one of us are called. Come on, we're saved and called with a purpose. Would you bow your heads all over this place? In fact, let's just stand to our feet. Can we do that right now? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.